Please welcome Shelly to the platform this morning. Shelly, just come, trust me, come. Oh, you need your mic. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. Shelly, that was a compelling uh, interview and story. Thank you for what you do there. How can we be of help to you uh, in your work, not just at WP Bates, but other schools? So, um, because we have lots of stories, and there's a kind of a concentration of kids that are struggling with issues of poverty in community schools, there's 27 actually community schools, including in the Catholic Division, um, in our city. So there are human resources needed, volunteers to read with kids. Yeah. Um, sometimes, you know, being a special event, you need extra bodies in the nutrition room. There's a lot of opportunities to yeah. connect. Yeah, so like foods, uh, yep. supplies, and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, sometimes dignity fund supplies, like things that are difficult to get through budget lines. Like we know, I, we do get funding. We, there's extra resources that are allocated to community schools. That's why I have a job. Uh, because I am one of those resources. Mm -hmm. But as everybody knows, like there's not, you know, funding shrinks and there's not, yeah. everything's available. So there's sometimes there's all these little pockets of things that yeah. are kind of holes. Yeah. How do you fill them? And this, um, and you know. So we could be part of that. You we can. Could, we yep. could be part of supplies. And I'll tell you how later on. I, I understand you're also a hockey coach. Yeah, that's another thing that people can help with. And did. Actually, it's so funny because, you know, there I am at school, and I think I had my heels on at winter, and I'm carrying skates for our Kinsman Hockey League, which the schools have access to. Tripping up those steps, I was thinking, oh my gosh, I need some help, you know, <laughs> and our circle group, yeah. three gentlemen from our circle group, one's my brother, so I carry a little influence there, but um, <laughs> so yeah. they came alongside, they became our coaches last winter, that was so cool, yeah. um, I don't think we have the picture, but um, yeah. yeah, it was so helpful. See, sports gives mm -hmm. some of these kids an outlet instead of getting into gangs or something else. Mm -hmm. And so uh, thank you to the two that stepped up and helped coach these Three, kids. Actually. Three, actually. Three. Yep. Wow. Yep. And Grant, there Dell, are and other schools yeah. that need coaches. Mm -hmm. This is the Kingsman Hockey Club. Yeah. Um, and their uh, volunteer base has shrunk, I guess. And mm -hmm. so they need coaches. So... You know, guys or even girls with high heels can do this. Yes. Shelly has proved Lots that. Lots of you women skate, or maybe they, they play hockey, actually. A lot exactly. Of, you know, yeah. And so you can have, you can make a difference by that relationship, just helping with that. And yeah. so thank you that you are a great representative in our community from this church. And uh, we have something that we'd like to present. So Cindy Bales, our kids director, is coming with some help because Kids Capers has been involved every year. You want to tell us about it, Cindy? We ask our families that attend Kids Coming Capers to, to help out and support some of our community partners. And for the past two years, we have invited our families to donate socks. And as you can see, they followed through and they have donated 555 pair of socks. Is that great? <laughs> <laughs> that is wonderful. Thank you. That's, you know, it, this is a huge thing, these this socks. It just kind of wraps some warmth around the toes of kids. You would not believe how many kids come and ask for socks or don't come with socks. It's, it happens a lot. And so I can share with my other community school colleagues. And they actually like these socks because they're pretty cool looking. There's always some really special great socks in there. So it's, it's really uh, something that just, it really helps a lot. Yes, it does. <laughs> yeah. So let's say thank you to the kids department and to Shelly. God bless you. You thank may you. be seated. I have to give props to my boss, though. That story up there, my boss, he's really critical in making those connections and taking time to do all those special things with the resources you guys gave us. So oh. I got to give Dean Swanson a shout out. Thank Without you. those leaders, you know, it's, things don't happen too. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for saying that, Shelly. So we're going to uh, receive the offering in just a moment. But if you have uh, downloaded the app, the Circle Drive app, you can get it, cdac.ca slash app, and download it, because it's really helpful. 
And right in the top, you'll see uh, when you're at home, there's a impact YXE. If you click on that, you'll see you can give food, you can give gifts, you can give time, and there's uh, partner contacts. And so you're asking yourself, how can we get in on helping physically? You do it through this app. Now, if you don't have a smartphone, that's fine. Go to the information desk or the table display in the back, and we'll hap happily help you to be part of uh, impacting our community for Christ over these next few weeks. I'm going to ask that the ushers or the volunteers please come forward for, to receive the morning offering. It's regular giving that helps fund the ministries here, heat the building, uh, provide the resources. It allows us to do all the things that we do. Without your gifts, we cannot do it. Uh, please give. You'll notice that when the plate comes by, uh, uh, Bev and I, we don't put money in that plate because we've automated it. The very first thing that comes off of our paycheck is money to support the ministry here. So would you consider doing that too? Because we need your help to make sure that we keep uh, this ministry strong and alive. Let's pray. God, thank you for this joy of giving back to you of being part of our community and making a difference. I pray that you would make happy and joyful the gift. Next Sunday is uh, Thanksgiving Sunday, which means uh, one of our partners in the inner city, City Center Church, is hosting a Thanksgiving dinner for their community. Usually we feed 1,000 people. They need some volunteers to serve the meal. It's 90 minutes of just enjoyable serving and in the past some of our families have gone down as whole families and have really enjoyed the experience so you can sign up for that uh, if you go to volunteers on, on the home page and there is city center church volunteering just it's very easy to sign up if you don't have a smartphone just go to the information desk and we'll sign you up and you will enjoy. Uh, volunteering is one of the great ways of connecting with our church. So if you're on the volunteer page, there's a volunteer connection card. Just complete that. It asks you some questions of where you can be of use and uh, enjoy serving and connecting with our church family. Okay, your sermon notes this morning are under media. Uh, October 6th, the genius of generosity, and both the small group discussion guides are there as well as your message notes, and so you can follow along this morning. Really looking forward to this emphasis on our community and why would we would be involved as a church. And uh, I want to begin by stating that the law of origin states that how you begin is how you should continue. That's the law of origin. Success is measured against the standard of how you begin. Some companies get lost in this. They begin to diversify and often get in trouble because they've forgotten what they were created to do. So the law of origin also works in uh, church. If you want to go way back, read the book of Acts, the law of origin there. Why was the church first birthed? But I want to look at briefly the Christian Missionary Alliance, of which we are part of. In the uh, mid-1800s, a man by the name of Albert Simpson was a minister in the Presbyterian stream, beginning in Hamilton, then to Louisville, Kentucky before arriving in New York City. Uh, during his time in uh, Louisville, he was limited in, in ministry because of a debilitating heart disease. Simpson decided to study the scriptures regarding Jesus' work of healing. And that study led him to the conviction that Jesus Christ is our healer. 
and healing is available to those who trust in him. One day, he was at a retreat in Old Orchard, Maine, where he uh, went to the base of the mountain to walk up the mountain, and with every step he took, he took Jesus Christ as his healer. And when he got to the top of the mountain, he was invigorated. And this newfound energy was devoted to reaching people with the hope of Jesus Christ as healer. Simpson also began to study the scriptures regarding the infilling of the Holy Spirit and then trusted the Holy Spirit to fill him completely and empower him for life and for his service. And with his new health and energy, he went to town. What Simpson discovered was that there was an inseparable link between the deeper life in Christ and your Christian witness. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not to make you feel better. It is empowering you to be a witness in the world, to be a light in the darkness, to be salt in a community. Now in New York, Simpson's encounter with the Spirit led him to be concerned about those that did not know Jesus. His desire was to minister to the flood of immigrants that were coming in to New York City. But he was met with opposition from his church. Can you imagine this? His message resonated with people, and Simpson was excited to invite into his church newly minted converts to Christ into this fashionable church thinking that Christians would be excited about new believers. To his surprise, instead, Christians complained that these new converts were sitting in their rented pews. Can you imagine? It wasn't long before Simpson realized he had to leave the church in order to help people find Jesus. Isn't that sad? But it reminds me of many North American churches. With the blessing of the Presbyterian Synod, he established the Gospel Tabernacle in the heart of the city where all the poor, homeless, sick, and displaced were welcome. This began the movement that eventually became the Christian and Missionary Alliance. This is our law of origin. Our conviction is that people far from God matter, and we have an obligation to help people connect with God. In fact, the outcome of being filled with the Spirit is to have a burden about those who are disadvantaged and have no hope in Christ. Simpson invited Christians from all denominations and stripes to pray, to gather and pray for people in other countries that did not have access to the message of hope and healing. Out of that prayer group, some people felt the tug of the Holy Spirit to travel to Africa, Liberia in, in particular, with the love of Christ. They laid hands on and commissioned two people to sail over the ocean and go to Africa. What they didn't know was, en route, these two people died, and it took two years because of communication to find out that these had died on, en route to Africa. It didn't discourage Simpson at all. They prayed, and some more people were commissioned to go to Africa to begin the work there. Now, at the same time, all of the people that gathered in New York City to assist were convinced and convicted to assist the disadvantaged locally. Simpson began soup kitchens, a home for wayward girls, which was a home for prostitutes, and other community projects. When Simpson left his denomination of origin, he had no organization, no regular income. He relied on the generosity of those who had a heart for reaching those who needed Jesus Christ. The generosity included sacrifice. When the plate was passed in the morning, people would 
take off their rings and put it in the offering plate. Take their necklaces and jewelry and watches and place it in the offering plate. They sacrificed their savings in order that the gospel could go out. The belief of our founders was this. It was worth investing our resources to help people far from God gain eternal life. Friends, this is our law of origin. This is our DNA. This is who we are. Today, as a result of their sacrifice, over the alliance is over 60 countries of the world with the same heart to help people those who are far from God come to know freedom from guilt and shame and fear through a personal encounter with the living God. Thousands of people credit the Alliance Movement for introducing them to Jesus Christ, and it began with a spirit of generosity and sacrifice. Circle Church, Circle Drive Alliance, flows in this rich heritage of sacrifice for the cause of helping people experience hope through the name and power of Jesus Christ. In 1930, here in Saskatoon, people attempted to plant an alliance church by gathering Christians from other churches. Every Christian brought their own religious heritage, wondering, what's in it for me? That work failed. When churches are more concerned about internal preference than the needs of those apart from Jesus, that work is limited and it will die. In 1933, District Superintendent Williams sent Reverend James Murray to Saskatoon, quote, to plant the seed of an alliance work among those who did not know Jesus. After one year and two pastors, Reverend Willis Brooks was sent to Saskatoon with instruction. They said, because it, the work was really tough, quote, give it a try. If I find no future for the church, lock the door and throw the key in the river. And I will move you to Star City, said the district superintendent to the pastor. Willis Brooks prayed, oh God, please don't send me to Star City. <laughs> Saskatoon was a tough city to plant a church. We cycled through nine pastors in 18 years in six locations. The cycle was broken by Reverend Roy McIntyre. He stayed here for nine years before he became district superintendent. And Walter Bolt, my uncle, came here in May of 1960 and stayed here for 29 years. In our archives, I have a, a letter written by Roy Ardell, and I haven't seen him here this morning. If he was here, I'd have him stand. Roy wrote a letter to Walter Bolt, who was in Dawson Creek, and said, would you come here because we need somebody to help us reach this city for Christ. And Walter Bolt came here for 29 years. At University Drive, the facility was expanded under Walter's leadership, but parking was a problem. People parked five blocks away from the church in five directions. Remember, in that area, there are five corners. We were landlocked with angry neighbors because some of the people would, I think they were guests, would park in front of their, their driveways on Sunday morning. To relieve the pressure of seating, we planted three churches, West, Westgate, Avalon, Lawson Heights. Uh, we started two services, but every time we sent about 50 people or 75 people to start a church, the next Sunday those seats were filled. Like it just was a nightmare to try and keep up. So we decided to move to this 20-acre parcel of land and build this building. And the first Sunday of November, we will cel celebrate 40 years 
in this location. You won't want to miss out. Actually, Doris both will be here. Uh, Walter's white. Walter's at home with, uh, with God, but she will be here. Now, all that we have in terms of facility, land, our nursing home, our seniors' housing, 100 units of housing, 50 beds of nursing home, education space in this auditorium, all that we have, we owe a debt of gratitude to those who sacrificed their time and their money so that we would have this place. When we moved here, we thought a subdivision would be surround us in five years, but it took 20 years for Stonebridge to be here around us. And it was heartwarming. Three of the families that we dedicated this morning came from Stonebridge. Um, one came here because of Google. Thank you, God, for creating Google. Uh, it's exciting. So we have a responsibility to be light in this community, and not just this community, but citywide, and in particular with our mission partners in the broader context. Places like W.P. Bates and our mission partners need our help and encouragement and support. Friends, I want to challenge you. Now it's our turn. It's our turn. We must learn to sacrifice and be generous and leave a legacy for the next generation. This challenge begins with the conviction that all people matter to God and need to experience the love and grace of Christ. It will take our prayers and require our time and our talents. In addition to devotion of time, it requires the genius of generosity. The word genius comes from a Latin word meaning to produce and represents the quality and natural ability. We use it for anybody who has a high IQ to describe somebody with brilliant intellectual skills. We say he's a genius or she. The word generosity comes from the Hebrew word, literally means to saturate with water, a symbol of life to overflow in a way that brings life to people. In Greek, it means ready to distribute, available to give time and talent and treasure for the benefit of others. And it's a way to bless other people. When you put these two connotations together, you begin to get a picture of the beauty of generosity and the genius of it. Generosity is a life overflowing with care and concern for others. It's a brilliant way to live. It isn't meant to be noble. It is uh, and sacrificial calling for just a few. It's not just for a few. It's for everybody, all people. It's to be the norm for those who are possessed by the Spirit of Jesus. To receive Jesus means we receive the spirit of Jesus who embodied generosity for the sake of the world. Jesus gave his life. He gave it up so that others would have life. We invest in the community because all people, all people matter to God. We encourage and invest in the community partners to encourage and invest in people. And in your app this morning, I hope you go to that volunteer section and look at the things that you can do and give, food and physical things. We all need a ministry in the church and a mission in the world. Why? Because Jesus gave himself and his life for others so that others would have life. So you say, so what? The idea is that spending and saving carefully are wise, but generosity is genius. It's genius, both practically and spiritually. Generosity is for everyone and is one of the smartest and most intellectually sound and emotionally satisfying decisions you will ever make 
for your life now and forever. The bright idea is to spend carefully. Spend carefully. How many of you make a prayerful decision in your spending? I would challenge you to, the next month, write down everything that you spend, keep a careful record of it, and then ask yourself, is that where you want your resources to go? So, to be smart, you spend carefully. To be wise, you save regularly. I was with uh, Russ and Lorraine Pepler in their home, and we were reflecting on the beginnings of this church, the origin of this church, and uh, Lorraine said to me, and I said, you know, Lorraine, you need to come and preach this. She said, I would tell every young person, if you would, if you would save a dime of every dollar you make and put it in a future fund, you will, you will be glad you did that by the time you reach uh, my age, retirement age, you will have something to live on. And then she said, uh, to be genius, give extravagantly. And she said, you know, then you take a dime out of every dollar and you give it to the work of your church so that they can continue to reach out. That's wise. That's a bright idea. Now, here are some of the reasons why we'll be generous, why generosity is genius and works. First, it changes your life. It'll change your life. And some of you want a change of life. On the pragmatic side, generosity works. People who give generously feel great about it and find themselves blessed in ways they never anticipated. Great things happen in them and great things happen around them. It's a win-win. It's a win-win. Proverbs 11:25 says, A generous person will prosper, and whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. This is the law of res res uh, reciprocity. Give, and it will be given unto you. When you give, you find you cannot outgive God. It just works that way. So the Proverbs is true. Whoever refreshes others refreshes himself. Now, there are plenty of examples to prove this point. But by simple observation, we clearly see that people who live miserly, greedy, selfish lives are miserable. There's a reason why Ebenezer Scrooge is no one's role model. Have you thought about that? He had plenty of money but he had no relationships and no joy. I submit the happiest people on earth are those who are generous. It will change your life. Secondly, it connects us with others. It does. When people are gracious and generous, they exude love and happiness. There's something very attractive about those who have a sense of kindness. Do nice things for others. It causes others to be or want to be around you. Christianity first had impact because of the generosity of early Christians. In the first century, the disciples were very good at this. They would go down to the river where the Romans had discarded their children, particularly if they were female babies. They would take them to the river. They wanted boys to work on their farms or whatever, and they'd discard them. And Christians would come and take these children and bring them into their home and love them and nurture them and give them a life. When plagues broke, broke out in small towns, everybody fled. Not the Christians. They stayed and nursed people they barely knew through the difficulty of a plague. Some Christians lost their lives and people began to ask, what's up with these Christians? They have no fear of death. The Roman Greek community began to connect the dots, and a few hundred years later, it changed the world. Not because of good preaching, not because of your doctrinal statement, not because of Bible studies, not because of what you know, but because of powerful, spirit-filled living, men and women 
who took seriously Jesus' Sermon on the Mount to be salt and light. They were generous. Steve Jobs, a great theologian, said, the juice goes out of Christianity when it becomes too based on faith rather than on living like Jesus or seeing the world as Jesus saw it. As far as I know, Steve was never a Christian. But boy, did he get this right. In the New Testament, Jesus gathered his closest followers before he left earth and made this issue unmistakably clear. He said, I want you to know the defining characteristic of my followers. Here it is. John 13. He said, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How? If you love one another. Not what you know. Not how much you study, but how much you love. Not that you attend church. Generosity, my friends, opens people to discovering the most generous person who has ever lived, and that is Jesus Christ. When we love, we create a church that unchurched people love to attend. That's our vision. That's who we are. And thirdly, we invest in what matters most. Generosity is genius because it guarantees high-yield investment. Now, this is more than just a pragmatic issue. Spiritually, generosity protects us from short-sighted, bad investment of our time, our talent, our treasure, and creates wealth long-term. Friends, this is our origin and our vision. And for the next three weeks, we'll unpack why we invest in our community and how our investment encourages other organizations to provide care for the community. And I challenge every, every one of us to have a ministry in the church and a mission in the world. Don't neglect your local church because we have to keep it going and we have to welcome those who are coming to Christ and help disciple them in and, and mentor them. But we also need a mission in the world so our heart doesn't get cold. For 29 years, Bev and I have given leadership to this vision. It has been our conviction, and this has been our passion. We've endeavored to keep this crystal clear, this vision crystal clear. We've done it with all of our energy and with the Spirit's leading. Now, Bev and I have prayed about our future and came to the conclusion that it is time for us to pass the leadership baton to the next generation. I have served notice to your board that I'm stepping down from this position in June of 2020. Now, we do this with mixed emotions, of course. We thoroughly enjoy our role. We love all of you. We'll miss being at the leadership table with people we love and respect. But for the last six years, at my encouragement, the board has developed a transition plan that centers upon retaining our unchanging vision that has thrived for nearly 90 years. I've been coaching leaders to continue this vision, and I have a high degree of confidence in the next generation and the leaders that are given leadership to this church. Yesterday at Drive, we happily noted that our church is flourishing and our future is extremely positive. This was our Drive volunteer workshop yesterday, and if you are a volunteer and you miss it, you missed it. Man, you missed it. And I'm proud to tell you that I'm confident that our vision is well-documented and will remain throughout our transition and on into the future. We've run our transition plan through external experts, and they are impressed with your leadership team and with your board that they are so well prepared. And I've said this whole thing without crying, which is a miracle. I was just a wet blanket yesterday doing this, okay? So the transition planning committee is chaired by Gilles Gauthier, and he's been instrumental in writing this plan and ensuring that transitional goals are clear and appropriate leadership is assigned, and he will come in a moment to explain that. 
And I just want to say, June's a ways off, so let's, you know, just, we got work to do, right? And I will miss being here. Believe me. I will miss it. Notice, I'm not retiring. I'm passing a baton. Uh, I've got a lot of years. I still don't have gray hair. Somebody asked me this morning if I dye my hair. I don't. I just have great genes. You are an. You may be seated. You are an amazing congregation. You have to know that. You are like no other. No one like you. Thank you for being you. And thank you, Jill, for all the work that you've done to make this moment thank secure. You. Thank you. Thank you, Eldon. <coughs> We're starting right. <laughs> thank you, Pastor Eldon. I'm sure we all have mixed emotions right now. I certainly do even though we've been working on this for a while. So before we move on, let's just take a moment here and let's pray together before we, uh, before we get into the transitional plan. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Pastor Eldon and Bev. Father, we thank you for their love, their commitment to this community. We thank you, Father, that they have passionately served us for 29 years and that we have the privilege we have had the privilege of learning from them father we thank you for their leadership that has shaped this church and poised us for a great future father we look for you for wisdom and guidance in the coming months for, the, for this transition as, that is about to take place. We commit to you this process. We commit to you every decision, Father, that will be made. God, you are faithful. You are, you are so good, and we can trust you, Lord, through this. In Jesus' name, Lord, amen. Whew. So... <laughs> I'm sure this is a lot to take in uh, all at once, and but I, I do want to reassure you that it has been um, it hasn't been an easy decision, and it hasn't been done overnight. There's been a lot of prayer that has gone into the decision, and a lot of prayer into the decision, and also into the process uh, for this transition that we're about to get on. And so right now I'd like to share with you, but before, uh, share with you this uh, vision and transition, but before I'd like to just uh, begin to thank Eldon and Bev. They began this process six years ago. Without a date in mind, uh, they began conversations with our board about planning for an eventual transition. They showed incredible character um, and risk in coming alongside the board of elders to put in motion a plan to hand this church over to the next generation. Their desire is to pass this church in a better state than when they received it, and without a doubt, we are prepared to deliver on that desire. Thank you so much, Bev and Eldon, for your bold vision. Because of Eldon and Bev's foresight, today I am pleased to outline the transition plan that we have carefully developed. I would like to assure you that we are well prepared for, the se for this season where Eldon and Bev feel it is time to pass the baton and begin the process to execute our detailed transition plan. Surgical's transition plan and its process has been developed over the past six years. 
It was finalized and approved over two years ago. And every year the plan has been reviewed, modified, and again approved by the board in the spirit of keeping it current. The transition, the transition plan scenario we have developed is one where Eldon is positively involved during the transition process. Eldon will remain with us during the transition, allowing time for an appropriate handoff to his successor. The plan revolves around eight transitional goals that were developed and customized to uphold the vision of this church. Each transition goal will lead us uh, will be led by a representative of your uh, leadership team and a representative of your board. The overall plan will be overseen by two plan executors, being Sherry Myrie from the leadership team and Brian Toole, vice chair of the board of elders. I'll quickly go over the eight transitional goals we've developed, um, and they are first, vision clarity, organizational health, Closure, preaching, facilitating pastoral care. You deal with emotions we're all going to go through. Administration, relationship renewal, and finally, the search process. These represent the core items that will be strategically implemented throughout the transition. Yesterday at our drive work, uh, volunteer workshop we went through each of these goals in details and our plan is to have a similar review at our annual general meeting at the end of this month I would highly encourage you and our members to attend and participate in this event there's a lot of work ahead of us however we are confident that we will be prepared that we we are well prepared for this transition like I said before, the, the plan has been developed and refined over the last six years, and we believe we have a great plan. Mostly, we have great leadership and incredible people in this congregation who deeply care about Circle. That's what's going to sustain us through this. We all have a role for this in, in this as a community. We need to support our transitional leaders as they guide us through this process. It's going to be difficult. There is a plan, but it's still it's a plan, and it's going to be take some human effort and our, our passions to, to put that together. We also need you to support Ellen and Bev through this. They will be experiencing their own emotions, which they already have started. They will continue. There will be emotions of of thinking about the past and sadness and celebration with us over the, over the next year. Pray for them. Uphold them. Uphold them with honor as they have honored what God's vision is in this church for the last 29 years. Pray for God's wisdom as we navigate through this season. We need that wisdom. And most of all, pray for our next generation of leaders that we sustain this vision through it and that they bring an, a fresh revival to what Eldon and Bev have done for so many years. I realize this is a lot to t of information to process all at once. So if you're struggling with any of any, uh, struggling or if you have any questions, feel free to approach someone from the leadership team or from the Board of Elders. We'd be happy to help you to answer questions. Um, we are open with this plan. We will be presenting and keeping you updated on the plan from the pulpit uh, as we go along. And we'll also be reaching out to some of you to, to help us out through this. But we all have our responsibility to pray for this. We will be available after the service um, to answer any questions. And we'll, we'll be there for to pray for you, or if you have a desire to pray for us as well as we lead through this in the next year, that please come forward after the service. We would be glad to, to have you. At this point, I'd like to ask Eldon and Bev to join me on the stage. From the bottom of our hearts, Pastor Eldon and Bev, we love you. 
and we thank God for you, for what you have done. And we thank you for how you have prepared for this time. And yes, your vision is to leave it in a better place, but I believe you've done that already. And we'll, we promise to take it a step further and, and uh, get, get it to where, where you really feel happy and where you left it and, and that you feel welcome here. Y'all appreciate uh, kindness and, uh, for this moment. We'll never forget it. And uh, I'm going to ask on behalf of Jill that the transitional uh, leaders assemble at the front in a moment um, so that people can see you. And if they have questions, I don't know if you wanted to just say anything or, or no. Yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> This is a really surreal moment for us, as you can well imagine. Um, over the years, we have gone through many, many deep, deep waters. And at some of those moments, it's like, can't we just resign on Friday? Like, can we just get ourselves out of this? And, and God somehow uh, brought us back and refreshed our, our energy and our emotions and brought people around us that contributed to healing and to giving us a fresh, a fresh uh, go at things again. That happened repeatedly. And, you know, what I am excited about for Circle is that um, as, as Eldon was reviewing the history of the denomination and the history of this church, this is a profound place. And God's hand has been upon it for a long, long time. And when we came, it was, it's quite a dramatic story. Probably most of you don't even know. We don't really go into it. It was a dramatic call that we had here. And sometimes when you have a dramatic call, you, you can make an assumption that things will be roses. And it really was not the case. It was a transition um, of um, a congregation, a generation, uh, God had put something in our hearts. Um, we had stepped out of ministry for a couple of months, and independently, God spoke to Eldon, and independently, he spoke to me, and we didn't even talk about it. We didn't even know that that had happened to each other uh, until much later, but it was a profound um, vision for what the church can be and what we can be in the community, and what Jesus wants to do in us. And once we got that, we couldn't do it any other way. It, there was, it was impossible to do it any other way. Long story short, never in a million years would we have had planned or thought we would be here this long. We really have held it with an open hand. And like months or at least annually, it's, mm -hmm. is this the end? Is this the end? We're, we're ready, we're ready. Whatever you want, Lord, we're ready. And all of a sudden, it sprung into, into 30 years. But, but every time he renewed our, our energy to be here, he gave us a fresh new glimpse of him and a fresh new glimpse of the Holy Spirit's power in our lives and the power that he's offering each one of you. And things became fresh and real. And standing here today, 30 days, 30 years later, um, and as I've touched on, we've had some exhausting points in our life. Today, I am so energized, and I almost feel like it's the first day of our ministry because I have a vision that sees this next generation coming along, mm -hmm. and God is going to speak into them, whoever that is. It, it may not be an individual. It will probably be a team. It'll be all of you. There is something powerful ahead for, me, for you, and it is going to be difficult to not be in the front line leading the way, but we, we want you to experience what we've experienced. Mm -hmm. We want you to know the power of God. We want you to know the power of healing. We want you to know the power of the voice of God. We want you to know miracles of 
11th hour rescues, we want that for all of you as we have experienced in our own life. It would be selfish to just continue on and enjoy that for ourselves. We pass that on to you, and it's going to be amazing. I couldn't say it better. Um, the, the only thing I would add is that our God also brought teams of leaders around us. The last six years, we would not have survived had it not been a renewal of leadership here. And I just say thank you to our board, outstanding uh, people, to our lead team that makes ministry fun, and our amazing staff, which is getting younger by uh, uh, all the time, and I'm excited by it. So, bless you. We believe in your in the future of this place. We'll be, as I said, we'll be around till June. And I'm going to ask that the transition leaders, would you just get up and come forward, so that people can see you. And uh, if you want to pray with them or ask them questions, you can do that. And. Um, don't forget the celebration of the families of dedication. Don't forget that. We're going to celebrate families. That's why this vision is here. We're reaching a younger generation. <laughs> so uh, some of the transition leaders could not be here today. There's, there's probably another, this is a third of them. Uh, but uh, we'll send out communications. If you hear rumors in the, con in the community, uh, and it didn't come from us, check it out with us, okay? Just check it out. We want to be sure that people are hearing what is true, all right? Would you stand with me? God, thanks for your goodness. Thanks for your grace. Thank you for this moment that we share together. Thank you for this day, and thank you for families. Thank you for these kids that were dedicated. Go with us now the comfort and peace of the Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.